Hello, dear listener. Thank you for downloading, streaming, listening to the Spooky Doings podcast. My name is Rick Guzman. I'm an improv comedian from New York. Unfortunately, Chelsea will not be joining us today. She is not feeling great, and we wish her a speedy recovery because we love her and miss having her for these wonderful conversations, especially considering she, that uh, I told her to watch another film with our guest this week, and she said she loved it, but couldn't join us for the conversation. I'm here with someone that I've admired for a while. I'm here with the ranger himself, Mr. Jeremy Holm. How are you, How are you sir? Hey, Rick. Thanks for having me. I'm well. Pleasure to have you. I'm glad I got in touch with you and you were willing to come on because I like watching you in spooky things. Uh, thank you. I like doing them. It's a, it's a really fun environment to work in. And the people that uh, that are attracted to genre films are always just fantastic, imaginative, um, low stress people. And it's, it's it makes for fun projects. Um, I, I can believe that even though uh, not necessarily the low stress part, uh, <laughs> my day job is props and set dressing. And, uh, you know, sometimes you get a really easy day and other times they're really hectic. Uh, yeah. But I previously spoke with uh, Jen Wexler and Heather Buckley really early uh, in the days of this podcast and they're wonderful people. And they introduced me to your work through the Ranger. Um, but before we get into that, what kind of relationship have you had with horror? Uh, are you a huge fan from way back in your youth or did it just come as a working actor? You're like, here's a script. This sounds fun. I'm being offered it. I'll take it. It, it happened because of a, a very expensive cappuccino machine. So I used to work at this joint and uh, I was kind of a manager and it was a big steakhouse in New York City. And uh, there's this gentleman there and he, he wasn't cleaning the machine properly. And so I kind of became this, this uh, I, I, I disciplined him with humor, but I, I, I was saying, look, man, you got you to gotta clean the machine the right way. And I kind of took on a persona when I, when I was kind of ridiculing him a little bit all in good humor. And a few years later, it turns out he called me up. He said, Hey, I didn't tell you this at the time, but I'm a writer and a friend of mine and I have written this script and, you know, I couldn't get your voice out of my head while we were working on it. It's called the Ranger. Would you like to read it? So, um, that's Jaco Farina. And, uh, and so I read the script and I fell in love immediately. Um, I told my agent, Hey, I'm doing this film. And uh, and thank God, because it opened up so many doors. And uh, I just I, I adore Jen. She's great to work with. We actually are talking about our next project um, together. And and next month or she's or actually this month, uh, her new film Sacrifice Game is opening at Fantasia Fest. So I'll be uh, in attendance for that. Um, very exciting. So that's how we met because of that cappuccino machine. I'm, I'm hoping to see uh, Jen's next film, maybe get her back on the show. I do like hearing you explain that because when I've been in a supervisor or manager position, I have tried to keep it kind of fun and loose, but also professional. Here's what we need. I learned from a manager that I adore that you never want to be the reason why a person doesn't want to come to work. You know, if it's too cold or too nice a day, sure. But you never want them saying, I don't want to see that asshole. So it's right. nice yeah. that you you permeated this this writer's uh, Mr. Farina's mind so much that he couldn't keep his voice out of your head because there's 
there's something very rich about that ranger character that uh i do hope to see sequels where we get some more answers some more of that history but you don't get to see that a lot in a lot of horror antagonists so so upon reading the script what was your first impression of of the project as a whole but also of the ranger uh individually well, I, you know, that's a script that I refer to as a ripper. You know, you you rip through it. You don't have to. It's one sitting and it's not tedious. You just you cannot wait to get to the last page. And uh, for me, that that's what the Ranger was. It was a ripper. Um, I was a, I grew up in the mountains of Colorado. And so I was attracted to the idea of being of the hunt alone on a mountain, the solitude, the um, the fear the connection to environment, the uh, man versus nature, that aspect of it, but also the the vengeance of um, what eco-terrorists or I don't know what category the ranger would fit into, but the the um, the payback for not uh, uh, heating mother nature. I love that concept. Um, and also just really funny. You know, it's a funny script and um getting at that humor is, is a lot of fun. <laughs> I remember when I first heard about the, the film and uh, my lady and I went to a screening at the IFC Center. I don't remember if you were there. Some, some cast members were uh, along, with there, Jen, yeah. along with Jen and Heather. And it was just a combination of things. It's, she loves hiking in national parks. I'm a New York City rat and we both like horror. So this was, this was a, you know, hot sauce and chicken wings, chocolate and peanut butter film that felt made just for us in that moment. Right. Um, and during the pandemic and looking for ways to have fun that were safe, we did get Airbnbs out in the middle of the woods and start going to drive-ins. And prior to the pandemic, going to you know national parks in our travels. So we did think of you as we were driving through the Smoky Mountains uh, on oh, our way to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and playing yeah. the Ranger soundtrack. And it's like, okay, we've got to follow the rules. Because I think if these young punkers had just picked up their trash, they may have been okay. Might not have been a great movie, but they wouldn't have violated the Ranger's code, and they could have survived and perhaps lived longer lives. Does that feel accurate to you? Is, is there a way to to please the ranger and and yes. make it out safely. Oh, definitely. You know, uh, if they had had the proper camping equipment and, you know, everybody doesn't disappear. Some people go up to the mountain and they're fine. Uh, he's, what he's doing is ethical as far as he's concerned. And he does follow his own code of ethics. So yeah, they, they might've been fine. Although I doubt they, they might've been fine for that reason, but there were other reasons other than littering that they may have violated his mm. his code of ethics don't 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 go tagging trees with spray paint no, use the designated that. fire pit yep you know yep. don't stray I, I, from I, the trail oh, stay on I, the trail i always take a little plastic bag for for trash that's important yep. Yep. and sometimes you can't make it through a hike bring a book <laughs> find a comfortable rock <laughs> <laughs> Um, but again, with your performance in that, 
there's also a vulnerability in the way the ranger regards Chelsea, which you you never see in the I don't like to say villain because I don't think the Rangers a hundred percent villainous, at least with the information the audience has. Uh, he's, he's got a tender side, which the way you portrayed it is a little bit creepier in a way <laughs> towards young Chelsea. So, um, oh, was that was that on the page, or was that some of Jen's direction, or was that a collaboration between the two of you before the camera uh, no, started we, rolling? We never really spoke about that aspect of it. I think a lot of it is in the text. Um, you know, I have some ideas about who the Ranger is to her, and I didn't. I have never shared those with. Well, I did. I did share them after we were done shooting with with Chloe, but I have not shared and I won't share those um, ideas with anybody else. But um, there's a there is a specific reason why that tenderness is there. Yeah. Okay. No, that that's that's fair. I respect it. That's a that's a private matter. And if any of my questions kind of rub up against that privacy uh, as this uh, chat goes forward, you know, just shoot it down. I get it. I I respect that because there are other aspects of the ranger I'm very curious about. And as much as I well, like, you, this... you are right a bit though. He is tender toward her, and he does. Um, he bonds with her in a different way than he bonds with other people, for sure. Because yeah, even in the beginning, with the with the younger actress playing the younger Chloe, who's uh, uh, Chelsea rather, whose name uh, escapes me at this moment, the way you take that very large, intimidating knife and gently cut the crust off the sandwich. That's not something that uh, most people are going to do if they're trying to scare someone. You're trying to make this young, traumatized girl feel safe. Well, you know, funnily enough, that came from my own life. I have two daughters, and they do not like crusts on their sandwiches. And if you use a regular, you know, knife like a a knife you'd use to spread peanut butter it rips the bread so if you use a big knife you can get a nice clean cut and so i actually use a big knife when i uh when i cut the crusts off for my actual daughters luckily they don't think it's as creepy um but Mm -hmm. not seen the ranger so their opinion might change once they do it's very reminiscent of uh david carradine in kill bill volume two using that huge knife Get those crusts off nice and neat. You must make a great sandwich. Um, so again, I, I realize some of it may just be horror tropes, but in the way that the ranger uh, stealthily ends up behind a lot of his uh, uh, potential victims, and even in this viewing, and I don't know why I never made this connection on previous viewings. The It's the ranger that takes the gun that Chelsea has taken from the police officer that she's shot and then she finds it later in his cabin which i don't know why that never registered with me on all the times i've seen it before um do you believe the ranger has some supernatural aspects to him yes (laughs) (laughs) simple clear succinct i i i get get what you're saying with that short answer and and you know what's fun for the audience is if he might you know, and and then figuring out, well, if so, then what? Um, and again, this is this is also nothing we ever 
spoke about uh, Jen and I and, and Jocko. Um, but I, I believe he does. And if there's to be a second Ranger movie, then of course he'll need to have some kind of magic powers because it didn't end so well for him. It, it did not. Um, and and uh, when we spoke with Heather, she said, there needs to be enough sequels so that eventually you get Ranger in space. We need to get there. We need to get him off the mountain. Um, there are actually now, I think there are three, ver three second movie versions of scripts out there. Um, but we're just, we're trying to find the right one. And um, Andrew Vanden Houghton, Jen, uh, Jaco and I, we all three want to do another Ranger movie. Um, and so to, and I'm sure Larry would jump in on that if we had the right script. So we just, we're, we're trying to get the right script together. And, you know, as long as I can still walk, I'll do it. Yeah. I'm just going to throw this idea out there gratis. You could do a prequel where the Ranger is assisting Teddy Roosevelt in establishing the national parks. Cause if you're going to go supernatural, why not go immortal as all great horror villains should be love that idea there is a there is a a prequel written called ranger rises which ah. is a fun title um so i i love your idea that's that, that'd be a lot of fun sort of uh night of the museum meets the ranger yeah. See? yeah you can have that one gratis if it gets made um Crew jacket. That's all I ask in return. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Something nice and comfy for those long uh, night shoots. Speaking of which, how do you keep your morale high during those long night shoots, especially in the woods, which, you know, I, we both know from experience can suck. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually love night shoots. I think you access a part of your imagination um, in that environment that is it makes it easier to access that part of your environment, uh, your imagination in that environment. So I actually love night shoots. Um, I grew up in the mountains, as I said, I love camping. Um, and I spent my time on that mountain. I would, I would like sneak away and I would actually sneak up on people while we were shooting. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> Kept everybody on their toes. Um, you know, my, one of my favorite things is to, is to in the middle of the take to hear the birds waking up and have to do the take again because there's a bird, you know, uh, out on a, a tree limb or something was starting to wake up. Um, so I, it doesn't bother me at all. I like it. I'm not a fan of cold weather and I always find it's coldest before the dawn, not always darkest. So that's what kind of I find to be a drag. It's like I'd rather be someplace. I think uh, it's hard cozy. for the crew because they have to stay in one place. And I like to even, you know, for instance, when I was on House of Cards, they called me the Wanderer because I, I don't like sitting in that chair. I, I like walking around. I, I like to be moving. So I, I just I just stay moving. If you're on a, you know, if you're a crew member, usually you have to stay right where you are. And it's hard to keep warm mm -hmm. when you're not moving. You know, it takes those those folks who do that uh, have my um, mad respect and esteem. Yeah, we, we've, we've got our little position and maybe some hand warmers uh, after we've set up Video Village and then we're just waiting. Like, is, it, is it time? Do we got to reset anything? Okay, let's go. Yeah, and plus you don't know how long it's going to take. Nobody knows how long. Nobody. Yeah, well, nobody knows. The director doesn't know. No, Nobody knows. Um, but at least, you know, at least when you're acting, you know 
when your scene is done or you know that you're you're headed towards something for a crew it's the whole shoot like you it's not over till it's over over and that's that's got to be mentally daunting yep. at least on a night shoot we know like hey if the sun starts coming up we are wrapping because it's a night scene it's time to go yeah so you're fighting in a way the universe because you can never stop the sun from coming right uh all right i'd like to switch from the ranger to what has been my my favorite film so far in 2023 um after by chance meeting director and i hope i don't mispronounce his last name ted geo hagen did i get that right gagan gagan yeah. not gonna get that right <laughs> uh at a trivia event uh in the city right before it became available on shutter i watched brooklyn 45 and holy shit that was a great movie well thank you uh yeah ted ted really did a great job with that you know he wrote that script with his father yes father I saw the dedication him. yeah and he he helped him with with the military um jargon and protocol and the history of world war ii he helped him with all those aspects but the script is you know wonderful um we got to work in this amazing set um built by sarah sharp and shot by her her mate rob um robert patrick stern and he they're just a great team we shot it near chicago and it's you know it's six actors in one room for almost 90 minutes and the bond we got together working the kind of continuity you get from working with the same you know it's not a, there's not a new cast member each day which most movies there is and that that can sometimes interrupt to the flow you have with each other but in this case we got to be together you know every day all day long 12 hours a day and it was awesome i doubt i'll ever have that experience again it was it was incredible and the movie's been very well received, so that's nice. Yeah, it was something that I was looking forward to seeing, just because I always like seeing whatever new thing is on Shutter, reading the description, and then uh, deciding, all right, am I going to watch this? Um, and just watching it, it, it's clear that this is so rich. I can really just compare it to, in my viewing experience, to The Hateful Eight. Uh, which unlike yeah. the Hateful Eight, you are in one location, the exterior and interior for the entire film, and nobody is fucking reliable. Everybody's hiding something. And there's so much dense character development for everyone, even though they all have their secrets. And then we discover pretty much all of them before it's over. Uh, great jazz music, which I love, and just attention to details in the sets and the wardrobe uh and, and your wardrobe in particular playing uh Archibald Stanton upon seeing you for the first time on screen as a comic book fan you reminded me of a not so war profiteering Howard Stark uh the father of Iron Man like you yeah. know, you're there you're you're dapper you've got your red jacket uh it's revealed that your character is gay which I think is great to see because that's not addressed so much in any stories, especially ones made during those times. So there's that little bit of diversity amongst uh, military friends that have seen combat together for the most part. 
uh, and the the uh, ball busting of that time that you know Archie wouldn't allow anyone else to speak to him that way. But as major, there's a line. <laughs> so so how how did you uh, uh, react first upon reading it and finding out this is your character, this is how you're gonna play, and what were your thoughts, please? Well, this again goes back to that cappuccino machine because, because you know, Jen is friends with Ted and they were going out to dinner and Ted was getting ready to make Brooklyn 45. And he said, I can't, I don't know who I'm going to get to play Archie. And Jen brought up my name and Ted thought about it. And the next day he called me and I read the script and I called him back that night. I said, I got, I have to play this part. I have to, I have to do this. Um, it's again, it's, it's another, it's a ripper of a script. Um, you know, who is going to make during COVID a horror movie that has, you know, six people talking in a room for 91 minutes. Nobody's going to make that movie. That's craziness. Well, you know, uh, Raven Banner Entertainment and Shudder and, and Ted and the whole team, Sarah Sharp and, and Rob Stern all said, yeah, we'll do it. And they, and I should mention Seth Kaplan too, who, who's a producer. He kept us safe on set. And, um, you know, I, it's such, he's, Archie is such a complex character. Um, there was always something to be working on. Sometimes, you know, in genre films, you have to fabricate the backstory for yourself or, you know, the circumstances. In this case, it was so rich. I didn't have to do so much of that work, which is, which was a real treat. Um, Archie is emblematic of something that's probably happening right now within our military. And so it was important for me to, to do it justice. Mm -hmm. um, along with that, I recently uh, watched the Tribeca film festival selection about uh, former military members uh, joining extremist groups and it kind of pertains to Brooklyn 45 and that some people can't leave their combat where they they served and I wonder how much of that is uh, I'll, I'll say indoctrination as someone who's never been in the military but I went to Catholic school so I know it when I see it you have to condition the human mind to behave in a manner if you're gonna get people to take other lives as just standard operating procedure. And I think Archie is a, is a good example of that. Uh, I want to tell our listeners, if you haven't watched the Brooklyn 45, pause it now, uh, this podcast, go watch it, because I'm about to spoil some things lightly. I don't want to do too much, because it's a great film that everybody should watch. But Archie does some horrendous shit that we usually attribute to the Nazis as just following orders. And it's it's safe to say that sometimes our government does that too. And, and there are human beings that that follow those orders. And if they, they may get away with it, uh, legally speaking, but I think there's a definitely a price on someone's soul when you do that kind of thing. It's uh, reminiscent of the My Lai massacre. Um, and I don't know if that was in Ted's mind when he when he wrote the script, but there's a great play called In the Heart of America by Naomi Wallace, which I did a long time ago. And one of the characters is the ghost 
of the captain who ordered that massacre during Vietnam, the My Lai massacre, where they, the United States military went in and this, this troop of eight, 10 guys went in and they massacred everyone in this village, women and children and killed everybody. Um, and so, yes, our, we have done that every, every, every military in human history has probably done something like that. Um, so I, you know, I, when I, when I was making this movie, I, that was really, uh, in the forefront of my mind. Um, all of those images, I did a lot of research when I did that play and, um, I actually got a bootleg copy of a book called, um, uh, the highway of death, which was that strip of land. It was a highway running from Baghdad to Kuwait city. And we used fuel air explosives, which are against UN, um, um, rules for warfare that we agreed to. Um, and, but we used fuel air explosives, basically napalm we used. And one of the pictures was the driver of one of those big trucks and he was grabbing the steering wheel, but all of his hair was burned off. His skin was mostly burned off and his the flesh was burned off of his his knuckles. And you could see, you know, part of his skeleton and his teeth. And it was just a horror. I can still see it right now. It was a horrific image. And I used a lot of that when I was, um, you know, when I during some of those monologues in the movie where he's actually reliving that experience. Um, that he witnessed, that he caused. Because <laughs> that's one of the the great things about this movie, not just your performances, but every one in the cast. There are parts where uh, the way Ted is having it shot and the close-ups of the actors giving these, these monologues where I'm close to tears watching it, but I'm also smiling because most horror doesn't make me feel that way. Um, so uh, again, that's that's why it's been my favorite movie so far. You mentioned uh, working Thank you for on saying that. You're Thank you for welcome, saying that. Sir. I really appreciate it. And you know, Ted has an enormous heart, and that's you know that that's in his scripts. That's in all of his movies, really. I, I get that vibe from Ted. Not only met him once at a trivia event that he hosted uh, with with uh, Mike Gingold from Fangoria, and they're doing another one that I hope to attend soon. Um, Final exam. Yes. Have you been to one? I went to final exam in 2017, I think. They've been doing it a long time. It's a lot yeah. of fun. Um, yeah, I, they try to do it once a month, I think, um, or you know, thereabouts. But a lot of fun. If you're in New York City, go to the final exam, horror trivia night, usually on Mondays. I, I've, I've been boosting their tweets a little bit. It, it, it would be fun to see you there because the last one I went to uh, David Howard Thornton, who plays Art the Clown, and has also been on the show, was at the table next to me. And it's not a lot of horror events where the answer to a question is in the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Which is pretty fucking cool. Um, but yeah, back to you being in a play. Ted recently tweeted that there has been some discussion about doing Brooklyn 45 on stage. And would that be something interesting to you to put on that that snazzy red jacket again and play Archie one more time or several jacket. more times 
The jacket is hanging in my closet. I would love to do it. It's been mentioned by many people. Um, and the, but the first people to mention it were, were we were sitting around um, what we called mini holding. We had these armchairs just in a circle right outside of the room um, in this big warehouse. And we were, we were discussing it. Anne Ramsey and I were talking about how, you know, we, we could do a play version of it. It'd be a lot of fun. That's another wonderful thing about the cast. Uh, in a lot of horror, uh, a lot of the casting, they, they go for, uh, you, you know, your, your, your uh, sexy teenage or people that can portray teenagers kind of, cast members that can get ground up uh, pretty easily without a whole lot of character development because, you know, they're, they're there to kind of turn you on and go away. Uh, the cast for this are, are mature, wonderful character actors that you've probably seen in a million things many times over. And, and that richness and life experience that comes with their maturity uh, definitely within me got the reaction that it got out of me. No one is ancillary in this cast. So I, I, I like things that I don't normally get to see as someone that watches a lot of horror movies. So um, who do, among the cast do you think you were most uh, connected with in a couple of your uh, scenes or performances that you well you you you, you ted yells cut and you're like yep we fucking got that one um well it was it was a great cast to work with ron Raines is hilarious he's one of the funniest people i've ever been on set with um he you couldn't get us to stop uh talking before it take um and but i got closest probably to ann ramsey um you know, we both come from a theater background. Most of the actors in the in the movie came from a theater background. Um, but for some reason, Anne and I kind of understood each other like immediately from the first day. And uh, she's just a tremendous human being. And just she's a she's a a genius actor. She's a genius level actor. I love her. Very much so, very much so. And Ron looks like the kind of guy that's uh, very funny. Uh, you can't tell it from this character. But again, having uh, uh, been on sets and uh, over by craft services, I don't remember the name of the actor, but he's someone else that I've seen in everything. And it was one of my first jobs and he's grabbing some snacks and it's like, don't need to watch my weight. I'm a character actor. They don't pay me for my looks. And yeah, then yeah. time to do his scene, nails it, sits back down because they, you, you've all got the chops. It's a beautiful thing to witness, especially when yeah. when the sausage is being made. I'm very grateful that I, I can have that vantage point because the stories are definitely better than working some office job. Right. Uh, so <laughs> this is not a question that I have prepared because I didn't know, but... Do you think there could be other roles in your future uh, that directly tie in to that dirty cappuccino machine? <laughs> uh, well, yes, definitely. I mean, you know, Jen Wexler and I definitely want to work again. And, um, you know, we have something that we're talking about doing together. Um, 
can't really say much more than that about it Understood. Time, um, for various reasons. I mean, there's a writer strike on right now. So, you know, I, I really want to respect that and um, wait until that's resolved until, you know, we, we go too much farther along, but there's definitely going to be some stuff. Um, I'm doing a short film that Chloe wrote. Um, yeah. And uh, it's a, her writing is, I, I couldn't believe it when I when I read it that she wrote it and it's so grounded and so like just so gutsy um, and so real. Um, it's a really touching, troubling uh, script. So we were going to start shooting that last month, but someone in the cast got COVID. So we had to we had to punt it. And now the way things are, I don't know. I don't know when we'll we'll be able to shoot it, but we're going to make it. Um so there's that. And, you know, there, there's some other projects. Um, I ended up doing um, the Block Island Sound uh, by the McManus Brothers because of the Ranger. Um, I ended up doing Don't Look Back um, with uh, Jeffrey Reddick because of the Ranger. So, you know, it opened up a whole a whole world to me that uh, I love. I did watch Block Island Sound. Um, I wish you were in it for longer, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I wished I had a larger part too, but I sure had fun. And uh, Michaela McManus is just brilliant. Love working with her. You know, to have those three siblings together on set working together, it was really cool to watch that. Really cool. Uh, but yeah, th this this has been a wonderful conversation. Uh, getting back to the writer strike, uh, you know, it, it's... I support them in everything they do. I'm very microscopically frustrated that there's not a lot of work going on, but I understand the point. And in the long term, uh, corporations should pay uh, creatives what they are worth and what they deserve, uh, be it writers, be it uh, actors, be it directors. They should pay crew what we're worth and make sure that we can have the right amount of downtime uh, so we're not working ourselves to exhaustion. Yeah. Uh, 12-hour turnaround. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and we need a weekend. Uh, sometimes those Fridays, you No Fridays. You sleep all day Saturday. Maybe you get Sunday. And yeah. then you got to be uh, back at work Monday at 5, 6 a.m. That, that's not a proper weekend. Uh, so, yeah, I'll support them for as long as, as they strike. And I'll find some... Uh, little job elsewhere in the meantime that uh, I won't feel bad about quitting on short notice once I get a call from the union hall asking are you available yes I am I'll set Thank up you. your cast chair anytime even if Rick, you won't sit on it Rick when it comes back you're going to be very busy <laughs> you gotta they got content to catch up on so you will be busy I'm happy to do it uh, happy to lift up things and put them somewhere else yeah. Uh, happy to blow smoke onto a set or whatever you got, I'll do it because it's it's fun and uh, I'm I don't know if as much of the audience recognize all the work that uh, they consumed while sitting at home in lockdown. Uh, how, how many people make that stuff? But it, it is essential. I think it's more essential than a lot of things that people argue are essential but certainly wasn't during that time um but yeah so 
Is there anything that you'd like to let our audience know about of where they can find you if they want to find you? Yeah, I'll be at uh, Fantasia Fest uh, on the 20th for Larry Festenden's Blackout, which I have a role in. And uh, I'll also be up supporting Jen Wexler the following week on the 28th for the Sacrifice Game. And then I'll be um, I'll be in London. I have two movies that are pr premiering at Fright Fest um, in London. So I'll be out there for, for that festival, which is I've never been. I've heard it's a great festival, so I'll be out there. And uh, news coming soon on a movie I'm producing uh, with my friend, Chris Kelly and um, you know, blackout and herd are coming Two movies I did last year. Um, and uh, they're, they're great, both great scripts, entirely different characters than I've ever played. So um, that's where you can find me. And cool. I'll, I'll be following you on social media for updates on where to get that stuff. Uh, Cause I'll have some free time and I love watching movies, especially the cool. spooky time. Um, hey, thanks, Rick. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, I, I love your podcast, and I think you have a very uh, erudite uh, way of speaking about the genre. So thank you. Oh, uh, that thank you. It's it's not. <laughs> no, I'm going to. I'm sorry I used the word erudite on your podcast. I kind of, you know, um, I should have used a better word. But... No, that 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 was fantastic. It's not often that uh, I get to be complicated, complimented rather. I'm, I'm, I'm flummoxed uh, by someone who uh, whose work I've admired. So uh, I'm going to be fully serious for a minute. That means a lot, Jeremy. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. You're cool. Welcome. You. And you can find uh, Spooky Doings on Instagram, uh, Spooky Doings Improv on Facebook for news about our improv shows. Uh, if you ever want to come out to one, if you got some free time, if you're not globe hopping, uh, we are working on getting an October show once again at the Magnet Theater. There'll be details about that probably in September because uh, they really love us during spooky season. And I'm at Rick Guzman 718 on Twitter doing all that stuff. Jeremy, thank you. Safe travels. Enjoy the rest of your day. And for everybody listening, stay good, stay healthy, and stay spooky. Till next time. All right.